morning? Father, that's why we're here. We're here to just praise you and adore you, to just uh, surrender ourselves and let you just be Lord of Lords and King of Kings over our lives. And we thank you that you won that by dying on a cross for each one of us and bringing that forgiveness into our life that we cannot achieve for ourselves. So, Lord, we come to you today and we pray that this would be all about you and that you would uh, just use this time to mold us and shape us, to fashion us, to encourage us and strengthen us, to help us to be what you want us to be, completely and absolutely. Father, we praise you and we thank you through your precious Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's go and have a seat this morning. Well, we are uh, in a series now called uh, Getting Rooted in the Basics. And what we're doing each week is just just making some basic, basic observations. Okay, so if you remember and you were here last week, last week we uh, talked about just a basic observation that, you know, to live in that right relationship with God, we need to have an appropriate amount of just fear uh, of God, right? Understand who God is and how awesome uh, God is. And so today... Uh, we move to another one and uh, focus on just a basic truth about what it means to be a, a Christ follower of Jesus. And um, to do that, I want to take you to an experience uh, in the Scripture that is uh, often uh, misunderstood. And it comes out of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's also recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, but it comes out of the Gospel of Mark. And uh, just read through it and make a quick, quick observation here. It says, First of all, it says the next day as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Bethany, which you need to know is next day is kind of an important thing here in understanding this experience, okay? Uh, The next day, so what happened on the previous day? Well, on the previous day in the Gospel of Mark, it's the day that we call Palm Sunday, okay? That day when Jesus entered in Jerusalem, you know, rode the donkey and everybody shouted and Screamed, Hosanna, son of David, Jesus, you're the man. You got it together. I'm going to follow you. Let's go get the Romans out. I mean, it was this high point, this awesome experience where everybody was saying, Jesus is everything and he is all powerful. Man, it's going to happen. I mean, this was a good day. Amen. Good day. This is the next day. That was the previous day. This is the next day. Next day, they were leaving Bethany and uh, they were hungry. Must have missed breakfast, I guess. Uh, Not too far away, he saw a fig tree. It it was covered with leaves, and he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. It was not the season of figs. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So it's the experience where Jesus uh, judges, curses uh, uh, the fig tree. And now when we say curse there, it's not he's swearing at the fig tree. It means he's pronouncing judgment. Uh, on the fig tree, okay? Now, to help you understand what's going on in this story, I want to play a simple game with you uh, that you're all, I'm confident, absolutely familiar with. You ready to go? Okay, here's the way it goes. Simon says, raise your right hand. All of you know this game. I can see, you can keep your hands up. Simon didn't say put them down. Simon says, raise your left hand. Look at that. Lutherans raising their hands in worship. What an awesome game! I love this game! 
this is pretty fantastic, right? Okay, Simon says, put him down. See, now, that wasn't so bad. Now, why did you do this raising of hands thing? Well, you did that because Simon said, do it, right? I mean, that's the principle of the game. The principle of the game is Simon says, and if Simon says, then you do it. Okay, right? Okay, let me do one more thing with you. You ready? Simon says, stand up and shake the hand of the person directly behind you. Everybody gets up, turn around. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Is there a problem here? Do we have a problem here? Okay, Simon says sit down. That didn't work, did it? That didn't work. What was I thinking? I mean, that didn't work because, I mean, if you turn around and they turn around, you get, right? Yeah, that didn't work. Why? Well, so what is that? Simon better know what he's asking is right and is going to work. You with me? So the key to the game is you do what Simon says. And the key to the game is Simon always knows the right thing to ask you to do. This is the key to understanding this experience in the Gospel of Mark and Matthew with Jesus and the fig tree. It's a basic. It is a basic. And when you hear it, you're going to say, okay, you know, but here it is, right? The basic truth is to be a Christ follower means you do what? You follow Christ. I mean, it's basic, right? But, but it's often forgotten. It's often something that we take for granted. You see, when you say, I'm going to be a Christ follower, it, it means you're, you're saying, I'm going to follow him in absolutely everything and anything that he asks or whatever he wants to do in my life, whatever he wants me to do in my life. I am totally about whatever Jesus leads me to because a Christ follower just follows Christ. It's basic. Let me show you where that comes in the text. It says, the next day, Jesus' uh, Jesus' disciples were leaving Bethany, and they were hungry. So look at verse 13. Not too far away, he saw a fig tree, and it was covered with leaves. And he went to find out if it had any fruit. What's going on? Jesus sees a fig tree afar off, and the fig tree is covered with leaves. So what does he assume? Well, he assumes that a fig tree covered with leaves will have figs. It's basic. I mean, it's the way fig trees work, right? I mean, fig trees work that way. You see, in a fig tree, when, when leaves are being produced at the same time, the fruit, the figs are being produced. And so it's inconceivable to think that you would have a fig tree covered with leaves and not have fruit because that's what fig trees do. Fig trees, when they grow, when they, when they develop leaves, they at one at the same time develop fruit. So Jesus sees a fig tree far off and he assumes what? That that fig tree, because it's full of leaves, will bear fruit. And so he goes and it says, and he found nothing but leaves. He goes to the fig tree, and the fig tree that gives the appearance on the outside that it should be a fruit-producing fig tree, when he gets there, finds out in reality 
The fig tree has forgotten its basic principle. With leaves comes fruit. Now, in the text, it would be easy to take the next phrase and say, but it, it was not the season for figs. It would be easy to take that text and say, well, after all, it's not the season for figs. It, that's the excuse, right? It would be easy to just go the excuse route and say, well, you know, I know I'm a Christ follower, but this is a pretty unreasonable expectation. I, you know, I know I'm a Christ follower, but I'm, I'm just not sure that I am capable and my gifts lie in that area. I know I'm a Christ follower, but, you know, that's just not one of my spiritual gifts. You see, that would be kind of saying, well, I know I'm supposed to, I got leaves, but that bearing fruit thing just doesn't fit. See, the trouble is with a fig tree, whether it's in season or out of season, if the fig tree has leaves, the fig tree is supposed to have fruit. It's basic. It's just basic. If you look at the way God looks at his people, that basic expectation that if you are his people, you will bear fruit has been there from the beginning. We can go back and see in the prophet Jeremiah where he's talking about God's people. Is he talking about any people? No, he's talking about God's people. Okay, And if they're God's people, then there's an expectation that they will live a certain way, that they will follow God's commands. We can see it in Jeremiah uh, 8 here. It says, uh, they should be ashamed. He's talking about God's people. God's people should be ashamed of their disgusting sins, but they don't even blush. And so when I punish Judah, they will end up on the ground dead like everyone else. I will wipe them out. They are vines without grapes, fig trees without figs or leaves, they have not done a thing that I told them. I, the Lord, have spoken. What's their problem? Well, they're God's people, but what did they forget to do? What he told them to do. They forgot the basics. If, if you are God's people, then the expectation is you will do what God wants you to do. If you are a Christ follower then the expectation is you will do what Christ wants you to do. That you will follow wherever he leads and whatever he asks. Why is this important? Well, it's not just because it's a basic principle. It is the best thing for us. It is the best thing for us. You see, when you violate the principle, you allow destruction to enter into your life. We can see it in the text again in Mark 11. Jesus goes to the tree, it's got the leaves, but it doesn't have the fruit. It's not doing the principle, right? So what is the outcome for the tree? Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his, and his disciples heard him say it. What's the outcome for the tree? The tree experiences the curse of destruction. Right? That's what we got to understand. You see, this isn't about just you know, making God happy. This, this is about what God wants to do in our life. And whatever he wants to do in our life is the best thing for us. And when we violate the principle, the basic, and, and we say, well, you know, I'm going to follow Christ, but only so far. Over here, this just doesn't seem reasonable to me. Or, you know, I just don't have the gifts for that. Or all the other excuses we can come up with. with and we say, well, I'll follow everywhere but here. We just open the door for destruction to leak into our life. 
If we look at Luke 13, Jesus tells another story about the fig tree, and he makes it really clear, okay? He says, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. One day when he went out to pick some figs, uh, but he didn't find any. So he said to the gardener, for three years I've come looking for figs on this tree, and I haven't found any yet. Chop it down. Why should it take up space? The gardener answered, Master, leave it for another year. I'll dig around it. I'll put some manure on it to make it grow. Maybe it'll have figs on its next year. If it does, you can have it. If it doesn't, you can have it cut down. What's going on? Well, the basics is there, right? If a fig tree is there taking up space, it ought to bear leaves and figs. And if it's not, then destruction has an opportunity. Now, there's patience expressed in the story, but with patience come some other things for the fig tree. First of all, notice the fig tree now is going to get disrupted. There's, there's going to be some digging going on around the fig tree. And, and there's going to be some new manure spread around the fig tree. What's going on? Well, Jesus may come into your life and ask you to do some difficult stuff. I mean, following him doesn't mean it's going to be easy and comfortable. He may have to do some digging in your life if you're going to bear the fruit and be in the place he wants you to be. In fact, it may get downright smelly. I, I think I remember manure is that way, isn't it? It may get just downright smelly. doesn't mean it's easy. And he even says, listen, if you follow me, people are going to hate you. That sounds pretty smelly to me. Right? His demand on us is that if we follow, we've got to be ready to die. That doesn't sound real comfortable. That sounds like some digging. But the reality is whatever he wants for us produces the possibility of fruit. And to not let him do the digging and to not go through the smelly stuff means we remove the opportunity for fruit and we're left only with cut it down, bundle it up, and throw it in the fire. Big difference. You see, when you don't give God that opportunity, when you don't follow that principle, you lose the opportunity for fruits and you open the opportunity for destruction. You with me? We can see it in John 15 really clearly as uh, Jesus teaches. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you'll produce lots of fruit. What happens when you let God have his way in your life? Looks to me like fruit, fruit season. In contrast, but you cannot do anything without me. If you don't stay joined to me, you'll be thrown away. You'll be like dry branches that are gathered up and burned in a fire. Sounds like destruction to me. You with me? I mean, it's, it's basic, isn't it? I mean, it's just basic. That, that when you say, I'm going to follow Christ, it means you really are ready to follow him in everything. Because you know it is the best possible thing that can happen in your life. And to not do that creates the opportunity for destruction to get into your life. Now, it's important to Jesus, apparently, in the text, that, that you and I and the disciples get this. Uh, because if you look at the text, Mark 11 again, he makes this an obvious display for the disciples. 
It says, then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. Exclamation point. Now look at this. And his disciples heard him say it. So Jesus is saying this loud enough. This just wasn't kind of this intimate little reaction he had with a tree. He, he is doing an object lesson here. He is using this tree to make sure that the disciples hear what's going on, see what's going on. He wants to make sure you don't miss this today. And, and if it needs to be more obvious, the next day, he happens to take them right past the same fig tree, and, and it's like a giant billboard, right? It says the disciples walked past the fig tree the next morning, and they noticed it was completely dried up, roots and all. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree. Then Peter said, Teacher, look, the tree you put a curse on has dried up. That's destruction. When you open your life to destruction and, and, and not completely following Christ, your life can change in a night. You know that's true, right? Your life can change overnight. It's equally true the other way, but you've got to understand, here's the billboard. He doesn't want you to miss that. It's, it's kind of like in that movie. Uh, you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? You remember the most famous phrase out of the movie Jerry Maguire? Yeah, exactly. See, all the women are going, oh, you had me at, you know, what's that phrase? Right? Isn't that all the women are doing that one, right? You had me at hello? Wasn't that it? Yeah, oh, schmaltz. Right? No, the guys are going, show me the money. Right? Yeah, you know, no, I mean, it's like, you know, the guy's talking on the phone to Jerry, and he just keeps repeating the phrase. Why? Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. See, he wants him to get it. Right? He wants him to get it. This is what's happening here. Jesus is making this billboard experience so we can't miss this basic, basic principle that when you follow Christ, you have to follow. It, it's simple. When you follow Christ, you have to follow. And when you don't, in some areas of your life, when you resist, you open the window for destruction. Where does it leave us? Jesus gives us the interpretation of the experience and the steps to make sure that we follow. The place to start, he says, is to start with faith. Faith. As he interprets the experience for the disciples later on in Mark 11, he starts with a simple, straightforward expectation. He says, have faith in God. Now, that's just such a short phrase, but it is so meaningful and powerful. He says, have faith where? In God. Not you. Not your wisdom. Not your perspective. Not your experience. Not your understanding. Not your desires. Have faith where? Located in God. See, it's saying, listen, I trust that, that no matter where Jesus leads me, no matter what Jesus wants me to go through, no matter what fruit he's calling on me to bear, that that is the best possible experience for my life. That I just trust God more than I trust myself. I just trust that whatever he asks of me is the best possible thing for my life. I'm going to put myself completely and utterly at Jesus' disposal. I'm going to follow him and wherever he goes and whatever he asks. Why? Because I just trust him more. I just trust him more. Have faith in God. In Hebrews 11, 
uh, the writer of Hebrews gives us that same kind of expectation. He says, but without faith, no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and that he rewards everyone who searches for him. See, we, ha- we just have this, this grounding of faith that just says, listen, I know that what God wants in my life is the best thing for my life. And I'm ready to let him dig. I- I'm ready for it to get smelly. I'm ready for whatever he wants because I know that's where fruit is. When I show leaves, I will bear fruit. It is the fig tree principle. If we look at James 2, he captures that principle saying, My friends, what good is it to say you have faith when you don't do anything to show that you really do have faith? Can't that kind of faith, can that kind of faith save you? You see, faith, when we get serious about this and say, He is King of Kings, He is Lord of Lords, and He's Lord of my life, I'll do whatever He asks, and we get the basics, then it leads to fruit. It leads to fruit. What does it mean? Well, Jesus takes the text then and says, okay, you have to have faith in God. You've got to just trust God completely. Then the next step is you've got to make sure you start asking for the right things. Now, in this part of the text, it's easy for us to get kind of steered off in the wrong direction and to misunderstand this particular text. If you look at it, Jesus tells his disciples, have faith in God. If you have faith in God and don't doubt, you can tell this mountain to get up and jump into the sea, and it will. Everything you ask for in prayer will be yours if you only have faith. Now, when we hear that, quite often we look at the part that I did not bold, uh, right? We look at it and say, hey, I like this. If I ask a mountain to move, it's got to move. Whatever I ask, he's got to give. So if I ask, he does. be easy to look at it that way, right? Charlie, that's not what it says. Remember where we started. Have faith in God, not in yourself. Have faith in what God wants, not what you want. He follows it up. Look at the bold part again. He says, if you have faith in God and don't doubt, what's the key? Don't use excuses and say, well, you know, it's not fig season. Jesus, you can't ask me for that. It's it's not fig season in my life. Jesus, don't, don't expect me to do that because... It's just not the season to ask me to do that. He says, no, if you have faith in God, that God is greater, and you don't doubt, then everything you ask for in prayer will be yours. Everything that you ask. If you ask God to move a mountain that God wants to move, guess what? The mountain will move. Not because you want it, but because God wants it. See, God wants to achieve things in your life. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants your life to be incredible. He wants your, your life to move to another, a whole other level. Why? Because it's what he wants, not what you want. And if you ask for the right things, if you ask for what God wants in your life, even if it means a mountain has to move, he is prepared to move the mountain if it's what he wants. All we got to do is ask for the right things. See, if you're in a place right now and, and you need your life to change, well, it needs to change not in the direction that you think it ought to change. What you need to ask for is say, God, I know you want my life to change. Move the mountain in my life and change it. Wherever you lead me, I will go. God, I know my marriage is not in the place where, where you want it to be. I know I'm not being the husband or I'm not being the wife that I ought to be because I'm just not doing what you designed me to do. 
So, Lord, move this mountain. Not because I want it, because you want it. Move the mountain for me. I can't do it myself. See, that's what we're asking for. We're asking for the right things. It says, God, whatever you ask, I will follow. It's basic. It's basic. It's putting us in that position that says, God, I'm yours in everything. And if it means moving a mountain, move the mountain. If it means you got to dig up in my life, start digging. If it means life's going to get smelly, Lord, bring it on. Because whatever you want is absolutely the best in my life. James 5. James 5 says, if you're having trouble, you should pray. And if you're feeling good, you should sing praises. Get those hands back up. If you're sick, ask the church leaders to come and pray for you. Ask them to put olive oil on you in the name of the Lord. If you have faith when you pray for sick people, they get well. The Lord will heal them. If they've sinned, he'll forgive them. If you have sinned, you should tell each other what you have done. Then you can pray for one another and be healed. The prayer of an innocent person is powerful and can help a lot. What's he want us to do? Ask for the right things. Ask for the right things. Now, this may sound like, well, that's really easy, right? No, it gets hard. Because the next thing Jesus demands of us, if we're going to follow, is exactly the very thing that he was willing to do first and foremost for each one of us. Jesus Christ was willing to be obedient to the Father, even to the point of laying down his life on a cross, so that you and I could live and be forgiven. Basic. But that basic awareness calls us to practice the same basic principle. He says, ask for the right things. Let me dig in your life. Let me spread the manure around. Ask for the right things. And by the way, bear the fruit. Don't just have leaves. Bear the fruit. And here's the first fruit. Start forgiving people. Start forgiving people. Get rid of that destruction in your life that harbors resentment. Get rid of that destruction in your life that keeps that anger going. Get rid of that destruction in your life that wants to get even. It's not about them. This is about you being right with God and following Him in everything. And the place you start, have faith in God that God is greater. Ask for the right things in your life. And then start practicing forgiveness with other people. Isn't it great? It starts with looking at other people. Start practicing forgiveness in other people. Whenever you stand to pray, you must forgive what others have done to you. Then your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Let me end with a, with a great uh, quote from C.S. Lewis. And, and we hear this this morning, this basic, but it's so hard to do. He says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. It, it's the same basic principle, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to say, hey, I'm going to be a Christ follower until he asks you to do what he really wants you to do. And he starts digging. And it starts getting smelly. And he gets ready to move mountains in your life. You see, it's basic. If you're going to follow Christ, you have to follow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for... Uh, the precious gift of your son Jesus for everything that he accomplished for us, that he was willing to follow. He was willing to do everything you asked of him. He held nothing back. And Lord, we pray today that you'd help us to do the same. 
Help us to receive this word in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our work life, wherever it is that there's a mountain just sitting there weighing upon us, that we can just let it be moved. Not because we want it, but because you want it with what you desire. So, Lord, we just put ourselves before you now, and we just ask, we ask to do whatever you will. We ask it in Jesus' name.